Welcome to Extra Musical, the podcast where we delve into the lives, thoughts, creative process, and hobbies of musicians and other creative artists. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit www.hiddencinemarecords.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything else going on at HCR, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash hiddencinemarecords. Today, we're joined by Teresa May. She's a native of Shaker Heights, Ohio. She holds a Master of Music from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music and a Bachelor of Music from the University of Dayton. She's adjunct faculty at Cuyahoga County Community College, where she teaches applied trumpet and world music. She also enjoys community engagement as a teaching artist with the Roots of American Music Organization and is the co-founder of the Chromatic Brass Collective. As an active performer and educator, Teresa maintains several private studios in and around the city of Cleveland, Ohio, and performs regularly with the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra and Morning of Black Star. Teresa has also performed in the Color of Music Festival, a classical music festival featuring musicians of color, was a guest featured soloist at the 2022 International Women's Brass Conference, and was also featured in the International Trumpet Guild Journal in 2022. Let's go to the interview. Hi, Extra Musical listeners. We're sitting here with Teresa May. You just heard a little bit about her in a little mini bio, but uh, now we get to hear exactly from her. So, hey, Teresa, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, of course. Um, So for the listeners who don't know you, like, what's your story? Who are you? Where are you based? What do you do? Yeah, um, uh, well, you already said my name, but I'll say it again. My name is Teresa May, a trumpet player from Cleveland, if you want to get technical, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, If you want to get technical, I'm from Shaker Heights. Um, (laughs) So that's where I grew up. And um, I've been playing trumpet now for about 30 years. And I also teach trumpet privately. I teach at a local college in the area. And travel, will travel to play trumpet for money. <laughs> <laughs> will travel to play trumpet for money. Please, please pay. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how'd you uh, get your start in uh, trumpet playing and, and music in general? Yes. Um, so my father is also a trumpet player, cornet player. Um, and I grew up going to church uh, at the Salvation Army, and it's like super rich in brass band playing. Um, so that's like what I grew up listening to and hearing was just, you know, British style brass band. Um, and hearing that type of music and seeing my father play the instrument, I just wanted to to play cornet and trumpet. Um, and so my father was my, my first teacher, um, oh, I really wow. just wanted to play because my dad played. <laughs> oh, that's so special. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, what you spent most of your time doing that because you're like you, you play on both sides of the horn and and do a lot of work in the neoclassical or just neo concert realm now right yeah now um but like my early experience i started playing trumpet when i was nine um and it was just fun and then of course when i um was in grade school and we had band so i did band all throughout elementary school and got to high school and did marching band and that's really when i started playing in the jazz bands as well um but i was always more classical or Salvation Army music centered and Salvation Army music is really um, basically classical music. And I went to both my undergrad and graduate studies were in trumpet performance, but also on the classical side. And Mm -hmm. then (laughs) when I graduated and moved back to the Cleveland area, I just started taking any gig that would have me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because, like, I knew I didn't know you were a classical player because I knew that you played in a lot of big bands. Mm-hmm. So, like, you played for the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra for a while. Mm-hmm. Or do you still play for them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you play for the Cleveland Jazz mm-hmm. Orchestra. I know when I was coming to see Sam's band, sometimes um, I would see you play and I'd, uh, at Blue Jazz in Akron back when I lived in Ohio. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> look at this girl go. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't. I I thought you were just a jazz player. So when I found out about your classical side, and that was your predominant side, it seemed even cooler. (laughs) It's like, oh, this is just the side thing for her. Like she has this whole other 
skill set. Still learning, obviously, like, you know, we always, as musicians, have so much to learn all the time. But I definitely feel more comfortable on the classical side. And it's funny because I think now, especially people, when they see me or think of me, it's it's like a jazz player. But I'm like, ah, yes, but also... (laughs) Like a jazz section player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I I trusted you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think I, I'm glad I uh, got to. Well, for those who are, have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, me and Teresa met when uh, uh, we played together for uh, my big band, and Teresa was in my big band for a little bit of time. We did a tour and we did a recording together, uh, and it, that was a fun time mm-hmm. getting to know her and a lot of the musicians in Northeast Ohio to do all that but now but since then it's like you've been kind of like doing your own thing you've been doing a lot of stuff i know you're busy with uh you're also in a band right yes uh morning a black star yeah so you guys just got back not just just got back (laughs) it's like saying the other week but you mean like six months ago but you guys just got back from uh, a european tour yes so where were we it does seem like a while ago but you know what is time um, <laughs> we, well, it, man, it was in 2022, we first, um, went to Berlin for a project we did with the Christoph Winkler dance company. And that was our first time traveling as a band, as our collective out of the country. So that was really cool. Um, the dance company reached out to us and asked if we would like to collaborate with them. And it was us basically uh, creating new music for a suite. And all we knew that it, the title of it was called Going to Mars or We Are Going to Mars. And it was about or based upon like the Afronauts and how there was like a space brigade kind of <laughs> in Africa, which was a real thing. I totally thought it was sci-fi when we were uh, studying it, but it was like a real, it was real. (laughs) Um, I didn't, I thought you were, yeah, I thought it was a sci-fi for a second too. I was like, oh, cool. What a cool Afrofuturistic idea. Exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was real probably until like halfway through our uh, making music process. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so from that storyline, um, we created a, a suite for the production. And then um, when it was time to all meet, it was April. I think it was April. Again, time. Uh, sometime in 2022. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then a couple of months later, we went back out uh, on tour. Uh, we went to Italy and uh, Germany. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> and a lot, but oh really my fun. God. Yeah, I just like, I couldn't imagine, because I'm not part of that uh, international scene uh yet but like it's that must have been that must have been like super exciting to just not only be out there but be out there with your friends and making music mm-hmm. and making art together but like what was the cool what what did you get to do that had nothing to do with morning of black star and going to mars and that dance company that you were like man i wish i could do this all the time well, they have a fantastic selection of beers and wine. Oh, yeah. Um, you are a beer fan. Yeah. You're, I you're, am, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> I wish I, I have not, I've not had, uh, it, wine in Italy is like water, right? Am I, I'm not crazy. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> well, I need to go to Italy. <laughs> yeah. The food was amazing. I mean, I think I, I love like cooking and watching cooking shows. So just being able to eat the food there and to drink the wine there was like probably one of the, the better things for me experience wise there. Yeah. I guess the closest I've ever gotten to Italy is watching everyday Italian. Yeah. So as a, as a middle schooler. Um, So um, like with, with your life juggling, performing and teaching, what does like a typical day look like for you? What are you, what are your like goals when you wake up in the day or like kind of how do you, what does your process go like? Mm -hmm. Um, I think my schedule is pretty interesting because while I'm doing like similar things each day, the setup is, is usually quite different. Like today's today, Monday, and 
Um, today is my virtual teaching day. So my morning is just spent with me, uh, you know, laundry, cleaning, all the fun stuff, um, getting some practicing in earlier in the day. And then I don't start teaching until uh, four o'clock and it's an early oh, yeah. day. So I just virtual teaching virtually for a few hours. And then on the other hand, like my Tuesday is waking up at 7 a.m., having to be in Cuyahoga Falls by 8 a.m. And I'm teaching from 8 till... 515. Um, oh, yeah, it's a full, full day. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the rest of the week is teaching also at other locations and also trying to get some practicing in, in there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when you were in like college and your professors were like, practice now because it's the most time you ever have to practice? Yep. They were yeah, right. I didn't believe them. I didn't <laughs> believe them. So a lot of your uh, week is spent like educating. So that's like mixed between private lessons mm-hmm. and then universities. Like, what's uh, what's kind of your favorite part about education or uh, that? Yeah, that process. Yeah, um, I really enjoy teaching trumpet privately, and I think it's the one-on-one um, connection I get to have with the students. Like, I feel like they're all my kids. I don't have any kids yet of my own, but I feel like I have. 30 kids. I have 30 private students. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but it's, I teach six days a week. Um, and it's just, it's great to like be able to build relationships and bonds with students and like young kids, especially they are what keep me, um, like laughing. Kids are hilarious. (laughs) Kids are hilarious. I I do agree. (laughs) And they also keep things like my beginner students. I love because they keep everything really fresh and they ask questions. Like sometimes I think just last week I had a a student, um, he's been playing for less than a year, first, first year in band at school. And he's like, well, what will happen if I take out this slide? And I'm like, I don't know, do it and see what happens. Like, Let's both see what will happen. <laughs> Just experimenting with the, instru- yeah. the instrument in general. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, I think I had. I remember my inquisitive stage was like, "What would happen if I just took the bell off this clarinet <laughs> and played the clarinet without the bell?" And I was like, "Oh, it works." Yeah. Oh, until you get right here. Oh, never mind. Yeah. What a fun stage. Exactly. To, to be yeah. At. So I feel like that- they keep me, you know, just in that inquisitive stage. Yeah. So is the, the, the 30 private students balanced between like post-secondary and then private or those are all, that's your private studio? That's my private studio. Yeah. Holy cannoli, Teresa. That's yeah. a large private studio. Yes. <laughs> I think if I didn't like it so much, it, I I would not be able to do that at all. Like I've, yeah. I've heard some people um, say like teaching that many students is crazy or teaching like six hours straight trumpet lessons is crazy but I mean I get it and it is a lot like you know it's work but I also just enjoy it so I'd rather um make a living doing that than like any other terrible job I've had (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you seven more things I would much rather not do than to teach trumpet for six hours like yeah what method do you use do you use Rubank no, actually, I'm sorry. I hope I don't offend anyone. I hate the Rubank method. Ah, <laughs> I love the Rubank method because I don't have to. My, I like to be the entertaining one. If I give them, like, something fun and they're like, oh, let's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, nah, man, I'm making jokes. <laughs> this is my comedy half hour. What do you use? Um, so it depends on the student largely, but um, I use a lot of essential elements and tradition of excellence, yeah. uh, standard of excellence. And I um, I like the Walter Buehler method. I think that one is not a super well-known one, and it is kind of old school, but I like that one for, like, my younger middle school. It's a good, like, transition book from yeah. the standard of excellence and the Arbens. Like, it's a good middle Oh, okay. I mean, so is that a trumpet specific one? Um, you know, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it might be um, for other instruments as well. Oh, okay, because Arbin's is trumpet Arbin's, specific. Yeah, right? trumpet specific. Yeah. yeah. 
And I know standards of excellence and and uh, essential elements are like more band focused, mm-hmm. like ensemble focused. Yep. So it's like that that middle ground where it's like, all right, now we're working on you, yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah. All right, like, <laughs> that yeah. must be like a, a, a interesting middle ground to be in. I, yeah. but, you know, I, I don't know. I like <laughs> the Rubik method, my blue books. I, <laughs> but I also don't have a, a studio of thirty kids, so you know. So we're, Um, so one of the things that, uh, you've been, uh, notable for, uh, recently, uh, is this collaboration that you had going on with someone who actually is appearing on the podcast a little bit before you, um, Shani Strickland, composer and French horn player, uh, another, uh, Ohio person, uh what what tell us about that project um so uh, afrofuturism that's the one you're referring to yeah yeah okay. <laughs> so well Shanice and I go way back I don't know if you knew our, our history but we met um we actually were like at going to rehearsals with um the pianist of the Ohio players Billy Beck Billy so, Beck, yeah. <laughs> I played with him once before. Yeah. So, I man, it, maybe it was 2011, 2012-ish. Um, he was looking for women musicians to play in the sweet, sticky things. <laughs> Horn section was what we were called. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have that on your resume still? I do not. <laughs> oh, I man. Do not. So I didn't, I didn't stick with it because um, it, was, it was a lot. And then I was living in Cleveland and the rehearsals were in Youngstown. And Youngstown, it was a lot. Yeah. Of, like I, at that point in time as well, I was still just trying to get my career established and I couldn't afford to, to drive out there as much and go to all the rehearsals. But during that, um, I got to meet Shanice, who ridiculously amazing. She was playing trombone and flute uh, in the horn section, and like she plays French oh, horn. She plays trombone too. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Oh my gosh, Shanice! Exactly. Oh, <laughs> right. So uh, after that, we kept in contact. We kept in touch, and um, yeah. And to fast forward from then to now, we've played in the Color Music Festival together. That's a um, uh, conference or uh, um, orchestra for women of, or not for women of color, but musicians of color who play classical music. Uh, so we've played in that together a few times. And um, just when I knew that she had started composing in like 2020, and I knew that I would have an opportunity to be um, a guest solo artist at the International Women's Brass Conference. I immediately actually needs to write a piece for me. And I knew I wanted it to be a feature piece for that recital. Um, so she was like, okay. But before that, I guess I was like, I need a trumpet solo with piano accompaniment. I'm going to perform it at IWBC. And I had started you know experimenting with pedals uh with trumpet mm-hmm. and i was like yeah if you could write it for trumpet with pedals that'd be sweet and she was like okay <laughs> um and that was kind of the extent of our conversation and from that uh she made afrofuturism which is uh like amazing i loved learning it i, I still feel like i'm learning it i've only played it live twice now um, so each time I play it and practice it, it's like I'm learning a little bit more of the piece. Um, and then from that, I, I did perform it in May of last year at the at the Women's Brass Conference for the first time. And I think I on on the fly when I came back from that conference, decided to apply for a grant and the Urgent Art Fund grant. And I thought that like having the piece involved Afrofuturism would be amazing to have uh, the grant money go towards something using Afrofuturism. Um, So I made a music video for that piece and it's been, wow, quite, quite a journey. I didn't know that it would go from me just needing a piece and wanting to perform a piece from Shanice to making a whole music video for it. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Uh, I, that's available on YouTube, right? I'm not crazy. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna make sure I link that in the show notes so people can go see uh, this piece by uh, composed by Shanice and performed by Teresa. Um, and w- you're gonna hear a bit of the audio too in this podcast, Air Spliced. Um, 
one of my questions was when you were getting into the pedals, uh, like, did you give Shanice much direction on what like your favorite pedals were or like what type of pedal sounds you were looking for or was it more like open-ended or like how did that work out i did like a demo of all the sounds that i had and i have um i think five pedals they're all from earthquaker devices uh shout out to them uh they give they um kind of sponsor a band with pedals morning at black star um so I did a demo for Shanice so she can hear all the sounds. I actually didn't expect that she would use all of them, but uh, she included all of the pedals in the solo and then asked if I had um, a looping pedal. And I actually don't think I did at the time, so I bought one. <laughs> now I do. All right. Well, I mean, now I will. Yep. So you said Earthquaker devices. What are the uh, types of pedals you have? Um, I have... Ooh. Trans, one is the transmiser, the organizer. Um, one, I ooh, I think I have two more, but I can't think of the names of them at this moment. Uh, well, if you uh, if you have any time, if you want to snap a pic of your pedal board, we can definitely put that in the show notes, and I'll link uh, a link to uh, I already forgot the name of that pedal company. Earthquaker Devices. Earth, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Um, great, great A podcasting. I'm going to host a seminar uh, soon. It's called uh, "Forget Everything Your Guest Tells You Within Two Seconds or Less," uh, and you can pay me money. <laughs> We'll give seminar for a month. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are Why? we here? Are we here? What are we doing? What are we doing? I don't know. But what I do know. catch it live one day if not performed by you but performed by somebody else i mean i feel like you're kind of a part of a, a group of people who are pioneering for not only um uh women in uh, brass but also uh for for women of color in brass uh i believe you are one of the people that had the chroma collective yeah the chromatic brass collective yep yeah that's that's what it's called yeah, yeah the chromatic brass collective uh what was like how did that that project come together and then what's that about so i am um, one of the founders there are eight of us um um who founded the chromatic brass collective and it started in 2020 kind of you know we were heavily in pandemic mode just us in the house <laughs> um doing yeah. a lot of things virtual um we met so i met the other black woman brass musicians uh, virtually, we were all individually asked to be on the panel to talk about our experiences as uh, being a Black woman in the classical music field. And so from that conversation after the panel, we all had a little virtual hang afterwards and decided that this was like a really special group. There was no other point in time where we individually had been in a space virtually or otherwise in a room in real life with that many brown skin brass players like that never happened um and because it was so special we were like well this needs to continue and there were i think mm, 11 or 13 of us in the room and um you know we kept meeting weekly after that or bi-weekly um and then you know numbers dwindled down a bit when we started talking about like really getting a start and forming and making the organization it was um eight of us who were there and really grinding to establish this organization and then we became um like an official organization in 2020 and we had our first performance uh this in may of 2022 
just this past May. At the IWBC? Yeah, IWBC. Oh, awesome. So that was the first time we actually met in person, and it was the first time we performed together. So it was just, it was so special. I'm, I'm like, certain that each one of us cried at, at several points during that week that we were at the conference because it just felt amazing. Um, yeah, it was uh, indescribable, really. It was like different points of intersectionality that don't necessarily get the visibility that that yeah, yeah. and it, especially in the classical world mm-hmm. and it's not I'm not saying that that commercial <laughs> or jazz music do not have their problems <laughs> at all yeah. uh, but like it's it must have been really really cathartic yeah. to have that moment yeah. and to know that you're pioneering for other people to have that moment yeah in, in the future mm-hmm. and repeatedly yep it's yeah. like we be out here <laughs> <laughs> like, and and we know it but to to just be so removed from other people that look like you that often you know it feels yeah just amazing to have that moment <laughs> i made a joke like that at christmas I, uh, I we were i was talking to uh my cousins who i hadn't seen in a little bit and someone said something about waves or hair mm-hmm. and i was like yeah well when you're playing clarinet in wind ensemble no one's doing wave checks let me put it that way all right no one else in my in my section was yeah, doing wave checks that's a fact but i mean like i also have like the, I, I say privilege, but, but it, literally the privilege of being a dude. Mm-hmm. So at least I have that. So I, 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 yeah, <laughs> at yeah. least I have that. Yeah, all right. But you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. there, there are certain things that I don't have to deal with or, or that, that don't, that I don't see for visibility mm-hmm. because I'm just used to it yep. as so like when you're pioneering this, this, uh, directive and other directives that other people are pioneering mm-hmm. to help people feel more seen and more welcomed into mm-hmm. a community I, I just really appreciate those those types of things mm, thank you yeah i'll make sure i include uh links to the chromatic brass collective in the show notes is it all uh like women and non-binary for uh chromatic brass collective yes all women of color or nine bar- non-binary uh musicians brass musicians wow yeah. man that's uh, it's so in my mind, it's like, that's so specific. And that's kind of like a, a problematic thought. It's not. It's like that's, everyone's still their own person. Yeah. Like they're all from different places. They all do different things. Mm-hmm. Like to compare you and Jazzy Piggott as like the yeah. same person makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, that wouldn't happen with anyone else. Right. Uh, or that wouldn't happen with like John Raymond and uh, I don't know, another white trumpet player. I can't <laughs> White drummer player here. John Raymond, you're killing yeah. it. If you ever listen to this, I do love your playing real feels, right? <laughs> um, what's one thing about your artistic life that you, like, didn't expect when you were uh, listening to your Salvation Army brass band music, mm-hmm. which is still really in my head because, like, I'm not used to Salvation Army yeah. uh, music. I'm used to Salvation Army, like, go pick up a coat, Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Like, the charity work, yeah. less than their musical traditions. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you were getting into music more seriously, what are some things about your professional life now that you didn't expect uh, as a young adult? Mm, like, all of this. Um, so, <laughs> I, <laughs> when I, I started off my undergrad career, undergraduate career as a music therapy student, And I was in the music therapy program for uh, three and a half years. And then at the very last moment, I switched to performance. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I thought that I was going to become a music therapist. um, And then I I, like wasn't practicing. I mean, I was okay at guitar and piano, but I wasn't practicing it enough. I was amazing at creating songs. though, So I guess that shed a light into like more of what I'm doing now. Um, Like as a music therapy student, we had to make songs um, to use with our clients or the students if we worked in a school. And I would like my colleagues, my peers would ask me if they, if I could write a song for them or if they could use my songs that I had written. But I found myself practicing trumpet way more and shedding trumpet way more than I was uh, guitar and piano. So like trumpet yeah. was up here, guitar was like not super I, close. <laughs> I have so our music therapy program at our undergrad, me and my wife's undergrad, was really strong. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of friends who were music therapists, and they kind of they they 
hated shedding their like major instrument because oh. they're like, I'm not playing flute in me- <laughs> for music therapy. They're like, why are you making me do this? We get it, but I don't want to. Do- so it, it must have been like kind of shedding light where you're like, you know what? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not really feeling these chord changes on yeah. guitar. Yeah. Let me bust off his trumpet. <laughs> I mean, and then also if if I played flute, people would prefer to hear flute over trumpet. And a, uh, and a, and a therapy. And a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I know we're working through your feelings, and we are talking. We're just like, yeah. So let's let's do a sound collage for this. I'm going to use my trumpet. <laughs> exactly. So you know, a little less likely to use my trumpet in <laughs> in the different therapeutic settings. So <laughs> let's work through this anger you have. I'm going to play a blues real quick. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, oh, wow. So, yeah, it was like a whole thing. And so I I realized that, you know, I just really wanted to play my horn and get better at it. Um, and so I decided to change gears kind of at the last moment. Um, and so I, I spent five years in undergrad. I took an extra year because uh, I, I think I had to take like more trumpet lessons. It was something pretty minor <laughs> uh, to go from music therapy to music performance as an undergraduate. Um, and then that gave me time to uh, see where I wanted to audition to. And I ended up auditioning and getting accepted into the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. And oh, cool. um, so I went there for my master's, but I was like, heavily I thought I wanted to be an orchestral trumpet player that's the type of music I was playing um I still love classical music but that's what I was doing I you know excerpted up <laughs> all the excerpts for a trumpet um <laughs> exactly finds a room all day and pictures of an exhibition yeah um but like halfway through that program it I was like this is not for me um, playing became like stressful and I wasn't yeah, having fun oh. anymore. And I felt a crap ton of pressure and it just was not fun. And sometimes conservatory life can just be a lot. Um, especially I, I came from the U- university of Dayton, which is a smaller Marianist college and going from like that kind of tightly knit small music program going to conservatory was was kind of a big shift for me and I I didn't enjoy it a whole lot um and so when like I there were moments when I physically couldn't play like I couldn't start a note that's how much I like it was not a good experience for me um yeah it was rough um but I survived (laughs) got that degree and then after that is really when I could you know take time to myself and figure out what I wanted to do I knew at that point that I did not want to become an orchestral trumpet player, um, you know, 100%. Like, I knew I didn't want to just do that. I knew I still enjoyed playing trumpet, even though I, like, couldn't play as well as I used to because of, you know, stress and stuff. And I knew that I enjoyed teaching. So I remember I was working at Office Max as a graduate student, like almost full time while going to school. And so I just transferred uh, from the Cincinnati Office Max to the Cleveland Office Max. So at least I still had a job when I um, when I graduated grad school and right before it it happened pretty quickly. So I graduated in uh, 2009 and then I think. A couple of weeks after I graduated, um, Tricy was looking for someone to teach uh, trumpet, apply trumpet, like on the classical side, because I already had a jazz teacher there. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. So I, I did the interview for uh, Cuyahoga Community College, Tri-C, and um, I remember I had to play some classical stuff on trumpet, and I was hired, and I was like, sweet. But I didn't really have any students. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they maybe I think maybe there was one student, but I, don't, I really don't think there was any. I think they just needed someone on like to have <laughs> as a teacher. So that you know, my my choices that I had was like I could either stay in Cincinnati and try to figure out my life here and work at Office Max. Or I could work it off Smacks in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> 
weekend with with the trumpet job that didn't really have students at the time. Uh, so I chose the latter, and, but it worked out. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is a lot of unexpected. Yeah, unexpected like stuff. Yeah, but like all of it. How? What? What did you not expect? Basically everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many people, if you ask that question, go, well, you know, it turned out exactly as I planned. <laughs> I planned it. It happened. Uh, so I just think people need to write down what they want and it'll go exactly as they wrote it down. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot. And so I try to be just really honest about how my life just didn't, I mean, you know, it just went and it flowed in directions that I didn't know. Um, they would go in, but, you know, I just made sure the things that I were, were doing was what I wanted to do. Yeah, rather than stuff that, like, you had to do, or, like, not had to do, but, like, felt obligated to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I do. Oh, I, sometimes I wish. I there, there are portions where I'm like, I need to follow that route, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the which office max <laughs> route. Yeah. Like, the office max route man as a music therapist then uh got into your early education career and now are in your education educator like performer career uh-huh. so if there was like someone who wanted to do what you were doing now and they, that was like their goal when they were 18 uh-huh. what was like something what would be something you would tell them um as advice um i think the the one thing i mean the one out of several things that i didn't do when i was younger that i wish i had is be um more um like do more different types of music i can't do words yeah, right now but <laughs> but play different types of music and and learn different styles of music as soon as you can so what what are some styles of music that like you know now that you were that you didn't know but that aren't like your background? Yeah, I think mostly jazz and that commercial. Those two are the main ones. I wish I had studied more when I was younger, so I just be a little bit more comfortable and free, like feel more free in those genres. Even though I do it, it's still pretty terrifying for me um, yeah. often. Um, but I, I enjoy it and I'll, you know, I'll continue to do it. Also, um, being more like have, having more fun, um, in grad school, like we just had to play well all the time. Like everything has to be perfect is how it felt. Ah. Um, with no like real freedom to just play. And that is really important. Um, because like removing the actual play out of play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like being comfortable, just picking up your instrument, no matter what it is and just playing. Mm. And that's not even style specific, but just being able to create with your instrument, I think is something that, that I started to do, you know, younger. <clears throat> I was just used to reading, um, the notes on the page and reading everything perfectly um, I mean, but from that, I am a really good sight reader, but um, it took me a while to realize or to remember that I'm a creative that plays trumpet. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you do a lot of like, I guess people will call it improvising, but like creating behind your horn when you're not literally practicing a piece? I do more so now than ever. Um, I really didn't start doing that until... Mm, maybe four years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But part of it is because of time. It's hard um, to get all the things I want to do in a day because of my teaching schedule and gigging schedule and all of that. 
Um, but I do that much more often now. I feel like there was this big weird thing that happened three years ago that gave people some time to explore themselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people came out of that with these new ideas Mm -hmm. and new thoughts about themselves and how they approach things. And it's really interesting to hear your, your side of that, like those ideas Mm -hmm. and those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it was, uh, I mean, rough the past few years, I think just for the, for earth (laughs) but but also out of that came like i i just remembered that i like to create i started creating on like Bandcamp and creating music that way so you know that's important it is yeah and uh it's great that you're in touch with that and hopefully someone else who's listening goes maybe i should start doing that too (laughs) they can do it why can't i and the answer is that yeah yes you're right yeah Go do it. All right. Um, so, like, do you have any suggested, like, reading or listening? What have you been, like, reading to or listening to that, like, keep you creative? What's some stuff outside of music in general that, like, you feel, like, helps you be creative? Mm. Um, I think the things outside of music that keeps me creative um, are, like, I, I feel like cooking and music, kind of goes together but that could just be mm-hmm. because i like cooking shows a lot um <laughs> could be, I, do. I, I do not like <laughs> oh. it's like the creative and competitive spirit of cooking shows um okay. it's it's similar uh and like chefs when they create a dish it's really creative and it's fun to watch people have like ridiculously random food items and then are creative enough to like create something delicious <clears throat> that looks like tasty. Yeah, like shows like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's cool to see that aspect of it because it's kind of it's really like like musicians and how we create and make things tasty and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so I like I like that. Um, What's a, there should be like a musician's version of Chopwitch <laughs> or. Vibe, like it would be, it would be that. yes, like you have I don't know two horn players, but no rhythm section, and make it work. Oh, oh my gosh, You're like make it work, make but it you work. can only use these notes. Here's your primary rhythm. Exactly, go, and you're just like, uh, right. oh wow, that's a I don't know, that's a wow that you know that would be an interesting that would be an interesting way to create chance music mm. like improvised fully improvised chance music and then just record it yeah and see what happens yes. see oh yeah <laughs> so that's you know what that's a project yeah. vibed with friends oh cool that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, hey if, if that's an hcr release <laughs> i'm telling you we're we're doing it uh and what's your favorite cooking show? If you like, you like cooking shows. Yeah, like what's... I do. So Chopped is like one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's Chopped, yeah. Um, what else? I don't know. I like the um, some of the Gordon Ramsay shows as well. Like any of the competitive cooking ones. Hey, he he scares me, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I so just... did a lot of my orchestral conductors. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, sim- it's similar. It's you know, so you many just need... similarities. <laughs> You need someone to scare you into being creative. <laughs> uh, the the cooking shows that we watch in my house are more of like the whimsical ones, like Nailed It. Oh, or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Great British Bake Off is pretty wholesome. It is. Yeah. yeah. There's that one guy with the eyes that is pe- yeah. pretty uh, scary. <laughs> it's, it's big, his like piercing blue eyes. Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like supposed I'm, to be the scariest one, but he's like not very scary. Right. It's like, well, I was going to say British scary, but isn't Gordon Ramsay British? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like the scariest one, but all he does is like not smile yeah. at you. Yes. <laughs> like it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I couldn't. <laughs> Maybe one day. Or there's, yeah. Well, I often can't remember things too on the, not that this is like completely on the spot, but I don't remember some of the names of the other shows that I watch all the time. Yikes. 
<laughs> I was just watching the show the other yeah. week, and uh, well, not actually, it was last night. Um, you know, the person, the, the person, right. they were on exactly. it. Exactly. I'm, I'm like that very much so, where I I will start a sentence and then I stop. <laughs> And I don't remember yeah. what, which is why if you, if you were with me looking over my shoulder, podcast listeners, <laughs> there's a paper of the same exact questions that I ask roundaboutly on each episode. <laughs> and that is why, because if not, I'd go, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> what we're talking about. Yes. Gotta have my notes. <laughs> yeah. Got it right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a process to, to talk, you know, it's like we're creating spontaneously this conversation, yes. just like a dish, yeah. this is our <laughs> little, little tasty dish, See? except no Gordon Ramsay to make <laughs> us remember the notes. We need someone yelling at us to be like, remember the show. Right. And then <laughs> we might actually remember what we're talking about. I guess that's um, like whiplash. Oh my God. My <laughs> one student keeps comparing me to the whiplash guy. I can't remember what uh, his character's name is. And oh my gosh, I'm for blanking on his friggin' name too. J.K. Simmons. I can't remember what his character's name is in whiplash, no. but like she watched whiplash. She's my saxophone <laughs> student. And then she came to school. Uh, Cause I also have her in a different program in our high school. And she was like, Hey, Mr. Harvey, I watched whiplash. <laughs> That guy's just like you. Like, <laughs> no. Don't say that out loud. No. Like, you, can't, you can't say that. That's not funny. He's like, oh, no, I told my parents. That's just like how Mr. Harvey treated me. I was like, that's not funny. No, Your no. parents are, are going to think that I literally verbally right, abuse you. Right, Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, what, I don't what believe a, that. <laughs> what a great... What a great example of how it definitely isn't in music school. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. It's a great film. Yeah. That's a good film. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> dang. But, like, bro, you get fired in, like, three seconds exactly. for saying any of the things that you said. Oh, it'd be like, doop, 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 and HR nope. immediately. Nope, nope, oh. nope. <laughs> Um, throughout all of this, is there a question that you wish I'd ask you or we wish people would ask you? Um, I don't think so. I, I didn't mention my books yet, but I just remembered because I pulled them out so I wouldn't forget. Oh, yeah, like suggested. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I always <laughs> just like knowing what people are listening to, what they're reading, and what they're watching. So what are you reading right now? So um, two books. Um, and, well, two books, but... The this one effortless mastery, yeah. Ooh, word, like, yeah. I I'll start reading it and then I'll like just get too busy and then I'll resume, but like go back. So this is taking me a bit, um, but amazing. And then the other one that I kind of read it in the in the same format. Well, I'll start reading it and then take a little break and then have to restart. But love is letting go of fear. And they're oh. both like really um, based in like the same kind of methods of just like, you know, love and no ego and how to just be a person and a musician without your ego being involved as, as much. Um, yeah. So those two books. <laughs> is is uh, Love is Letting Go of Fear a musician specific book? It is not. Oh, okay, yeah. that's. I was like, that is a very broad title yeah. for a musician, like because effortless mastery is technically a musician specific book. Yeah. But then I think he's also like, but this can apply to not musicians. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the inner game of tennis, where it's yes. like this is about tennis, but it's not about tennis. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I I remember I read Effortless Mastery maybe like six years ago. Mm-hmm. It was like right after, and that was the first time I had ever ever did a meditation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was it that meditation yep, CD that came yep, up yep, yep. <laughs> and um recently like kind of like your process coming back to things recently i had like read some other books that were like having guided uh, uh, meditation and talking about guided meditation mm-hmm. to get into meditation and i remember that i had that and i still have not done like another one with him i've done other ones mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like yeah that that was a great reminder yeah. That's such a, that was such a good book yes yeah i love books that are challenging of how your thought process exactly goes yeah yeah it's like a lot yeah. you know as we um just grow and and all get older it's just like constantly tearing down all the maybe not so positive that we've learned as we have yeah. gotten older so i'm really into stuff like that it's yeah helpful 
that's literally all I've been reading yeah. uh, since the early part of past this past summer. Mm-hmm. Those are the only types of books. I haven't read any fiction books. I've only read self-help yeah. books. So like, yeah, yep. and I'm starting to get more into those types mm-hmm. of uh, things. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that book was definitely a gateway into it. So yep. yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then the love is letting go of fear. Yes. Okay. I'm going to link those yeah. into um, the show notes. Uh, so Teresa, where can listeners find you online to learn more about you, to follow you and any of your exploits uh, with Afrofuturism or anything in the future with Morning a Black Star? Where can they find you? Uh, my website is TeresaMayTrumpet.com. That's my first name, last name, Trumpet.com. Um, also on social media, most of my handles are Mocha Trumpet Gal. So mocha, like the coffee, because I'm brown skinned. <laughs> and trumpet, obviously, because I play trumpet. And gal, because I'm a gal. Well, I mean, it all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you when you when you drink coffee or when I drink coffee, I tell people that I like it to look like me. I want like a little bit of cream, so it's not like completely black, but yeah. like. Exactly. I want to, and it throws so many occasions <laughs> off. It's the funniest thing in the world. I'm like, yeah, because you know when you add cream to coffee, it, it reflects the skin tone. It's funny. Yes. It's almost like earth exactly. tone. Exactly. They're like, oh. we're all earth tones. They're like, and they're can like I, I, I don't want like talking about this. Exactly. <laughs> Should I laugh? Should I say I'm okay. sorry? Is this like, a setup? No. <laughs> 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 Where's my boss? I don't want to. I don't want to be caring. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, your time sitting down to talk with Extra Musical. Uh, as always, we really appreciate hearing the thoughts of other musicians and other creatives. Uh, you just heard from Teresa May. Teresa, thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Musical. Extra Musical is a Hidden Cinema Records production. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and look out for future episodes. Bye for now.